0: We're a Christian, God is our king. Uh, he's the ultimate power, is the ultimate authority, is the final authority. And when we have a problem, we should go to God in prayer, we should go to the king and ask for help and wisdom and whatever it is, the situation that we find ourselves in our life. Uh, sometimes we ask and we get a yes, sometimes we ask we get a no, sometimes we ask and we get a you no, know, wait, maybe, you know, be patient, um, but, you know, sometimes... Uh, in these situations we can get bitter, we can get angry, we can get frustrated because we want what we want and we expect it now and that's not how God operates. Um, now, when we don't get our way and we get angry and we get bitter and we get frustrated, this gives place to someone who would love nothing more than to usurp the king's authority. Now I'm talking about um, Satan. Now Satan is uh, God's adversary in the uh, in the eternal timeline, if you like. Since the beginning of the world, um, he's tried to undermine God's authority. He's tried to get mankind to disobey God, to, uh, to not be held accountable for how we live our lives. Live how you want, do what you want. There's no accountability, there's no consequences, there's no heaven, there's no hell. And even to the point where he's are trying to convince people that there is no God. And to be fair, he's had a few thousand years of, of practice and uh, you only have to look outside now, like uh, just, he's doing quite a good job. Lots of people don't believe in God, you know, even though uh, I was think about your what you say, John, about the, uh, the heavens declare, you know, uh, creation itself is evidence that there's a God in it. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, there are people who are alive today who would disagree. Uh, do you think that we came from you know, bacteria and stuff like that? Well, uh, but I digress. So, uh, like Absalom, Satan's got no right to rule, he's got no power, no real power of his own, but yet, if we allow Satan the foothold in our lives, he'll slowly turn us, just like Absalom turned the heart of the men of Israel, The Satan will turn us from God. Now this won't happen overnight, just like it never happened in, in uh, Second Samuel overnight, it took years, it'll take time, no one makes a, a, a big decisions quickly, is what I'm trying to say is when, uh, when things like this happen, it happens slowly very slow, small steps over time and um, taking it, it concerns away from God if, uh, if we get bitter, we get angry like, it might be little things like missing a service might miss a service uh, you know, that small voice in the back that says don't go to church today stay off, don't, don't, if you don't feel well don't go, go next week and then next week turns into next week to, to, to the next week and before <coughs> you know it you haven't been to church for months you stop going you don't really understand why or it could be uh, that you forget to read your Bible one day and it's like oh okay it's just it's just one Bible reading it's the end of the world we, we can pick it up tomorrow and that tomorrow sort of ends up being the day after and the day after Before you know a week's gone by two weeks has gone by three months has gone by <coughs> and you have not read the Bible and uh, that's a very dangerous way to live folks if, if, uh, if especially as a Christian if, if we and in the Word of God, we're in trouble, Amen. If if our, this Bible, the book, the Word of God, is our instruction manual as Christians to live this life, and if it's allowed to collect dust on a shelf, then we've got no chance, Amen. We've got to be in it, we've got to be reading it. And I'm talking to myself as well, like you know, I'm not perfect, I'm not pretending to be anything special or anything like that. But the Bible should never be allowed to gather dust, Amen. So, uh, so that was my first point, uh, the posture politician. second point is uh, the despicable plot. So if we look in uh, verse, seven, <coughs> verse 7, it says, uh, And it came to pass after forty years that Absalom said unto the king, I pray thee, let me go and pay my vow, which I have vowed unto the Lord in Hebron. For thy servant vowed a vow while I abode at in Syria, saying, If the Lord shall bring me again indeed to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. And the king said unto him, Go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. And Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as ye hear the sound of the trumpet, then ye shall say, Absalom reigneth in Hebron. And with Absalom went two hundred men out of Jerusalem that were called. And they went in in their simplicity, and they knew not anything. And Absalom sent for Ahithophel a Gi- the Gilemonite, David's counselor from his city, even from Gilo, while he offered sacrifices and the conspiracy was strong, for the people increased continually with Absalom. So, <clears throat> as we read there in verse 7, this would be the last time that uh, father and son would see each other, and the last words of Absalom, or oh, sorry, the last words that Absalom would tell his father would be a lie. Absalom would convince David that he would go to Hebron, which, funny enough, is where David was crowned king, uh, to fulfill a vow to God for him return to Jerusalem. Now, maybe the promise of uh, serving the Lord, or Absalom serving the Lord, made David happy that he overlooked, but the last time David gave Absalom leave, he committed murder, and uh, David allowed him to leave, so the coup was set up, all the preparations had been made, spies had been sent out, placed in the land to, uh, to aid in this uh, in this plan, and when the trumpet sounded, Absalom will be declared king, and he took 200 soldiers, 200 soldiers that were completely unaware of his plan, just to make sure that nothing went wrong that his plan was to succeed. So, um, even went on as far to, uh, to turn as the King King David's trusted advisor to go along with this. Ahithophel, when you uh, when you dig do a bit of digging, it turns out that Ahith, Ahithophel was the grandfather of Bathsheba. Now, if you read in Second uh, Samuel uh, chapter 23 and verse 34, you'll see that Ahithophel was the father of lion. And then when you read in Second Samuel chapter 22 and verse 3, Eliam is the actual father of Bathsheba. So when you see that Bathsheba and Ahithophel are related, and he may well have had an accident grind over how Bathsheba was treated back in the day, but n- not for certain if that was one of the reasons why he did turn on David, but uh, it definitely doesn't look good. So um, he may well have used this as an opportunity to get back at David, and uh, for for most part it would seem like the Everybody's starting to turn on the king. His trusted advisors turn on him. His sons turn on him. The people are starting to turn on. But uh, that's my second point. So I'm moving along quickly, here, but this one might take a little bit longer. My third point is the uh, the providence of godly friends. So <clears throat> if we read on in Second uh, Samuel 15, we'll pick it up again in, 30, in verse 13. The Bible says, "And there came a messenger to David, saying, The hearts of men, or the hearts of the men of Israel, are after Absalom.'" And David said unto all his servants that were with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, for we shall not else escape from Absalom, to make speed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly, and bring evil upon us, and smite the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servants said unto the king, Behold, thy servants are ready to do whatsoever my lord the king shall appoint. And the king went forth, and all his household after him. And the king left ten women, which were concubines, to keep the house. And the king went forth, and all the people after him and tarried in a place that was far off. And all his servants passed on beside them, and all the Kedethites, and the Pelethites, and the Gittites, six hundred men which came after him from Gath, passed on before the king. Then said the king to Itai the Gittite, Wherefore goest thou also with us? Return to thy place, and abide with the king, for thou art a stranger, and also an exile. Whereas thou camest but yesterday, should I this day make thee go up and down with us? Seeing I go with them, I may return now, and take back thy brethren, and mercy and truth be with thee. And Itai said, answered the king and said, As the Lord liveth, and as my lord the king liveth, surely in what place my lord the king shall be, whether in life or death, even there also will I servant be. And David said to Ittai, uh, Go over, go and pass over. And Ittai the, oh, the Gittite passed over, and all his men, and all the little ones that were with him. And all the country wept with a loud voice, and all the people passed over. The king also himself passed over the brook Israel, <laughs> And all the people passed over toward the way of the wilderness. And lo, Zadok also, and all the Levites that were with him, bearing the ark of the covenant of God. And they set down the ark of the covenant of God. And Abiathar went up, until all the people had done passing out of the city. And the king said unto Zadok, Carry back the ark of God into the city. If I shall find favour in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me again, to show me both it and its habitation. But if he say thus, I have no delight in thee, behold, here I am, let him do to me as seemeth good unto him. And the king said also unto Zadok the priest, Art thou not a seer? Return into the city in peace, and your two sons with you, Ahimeaz, oh sorry, Ahimeaz thy son, and Jonathan the son of Abiathar. See, I will tarry in the plain of the wilderness until they come away from you to certify me. Zadok therefore and Abiathar carried the ark, of the, uh, the ark of God again to Jerusalem, and they tarried there. And David went up by the ascent of Mount Olivet, And wept as he went up, and had his head covered, and went barefoot. And all the people that was with him covered every man his head, and they went up weeping as they went. And one told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. And it came to pass that when David was come to the top of the mount, where he worshipped God, behold, Hushai the Archite came to meet him with his coat rent and earth upon his head. Unto whom David said, If thou passest on with me, then thou shalt be a burden unto me. But if thou shalt, if, but if thou return unto the city, and say unto Absalom, I will be thy servant, O king, as I have been, as I have been thy father's servant hitherto. So will I now also be thy servant. Then mayest thou for me defeat the counsel of Ahithophel. And thou, and hast thou not there been with the Zadok and Abiathar the priests? Therefore it shall be that what so, that what thingsoever thou shalt hear out of the king's house. Thou shalt tell it to Zadok and Abiathar the priests. Behold, they have there with them their two sons, Ahimeaz, Zadok's son, and Jonathan, Abiathar's son. And by them ye shall send unto them, but ye send unto me everything that ye can hear. So Hushai, David's friend, came into the city, and Absalom came into Jerusalem. So, <coughs> we read there, that David hears, that was a long portion of scripture there, I should have really broke that down. But David hears the, uh, the news of the despicable plot to overthrow him. Now you can imagine that when this all seems to be falling apart, like things seem to be going really bad now, you can imagine that the, uh, the words of Nathan are ringing in his ears, that the sword shall not depart from his house, and that there's problems, and that this is a result of uh, what happened with Bathsheba as a consequence of the sin. And uh, when you look at it, it's a high price to pay for that, for the sin he committed, this is a high price to pay. A lot of people are going to have consequences, a lot of people are going not have to pay, and um, these sins... And it applies to us today. Sin has consequences, and sometimes these consequences are long-reaching consequences. And David's seeing it now. Um, so David has no choice. He has to flee the city. He has to leave quickly, as to uh, to try and stay and fight it out would probably cost uh, cost the lives of his people. Mm-hmm. Now David's been down before. We've looked at this week when we were talking about highs and lows. We've seen that David's been up and he's been down. And, and to be fair, this looks like he's at a pretty, pretty far, or pretty low point. But this seems to like be maybe even a, a lowest he's ever been. He's been a fugitive before. He's been on the run from King Saul. We've looked at that. But to have your own son plot against you, to uh, to make you flee, and uh, to to do this to him must have been like an arrow to David's heart. Can imagine? Couldn't imagine like, how you'd feel to have your own son betrayed in such a way. But um, but it's not all down. It's not all doom and gloom. Uh, we can thank God for godly friends. We'll, we'll look at that now. Uh, David and his loyal followers led the city among them, and among them was a man named Itai, a Philistine commander of 600 soldiers, a man who'd only arrived in Jerusalem the day before, a man who owed David no allegiance, and yet he offered it. David tries to persuade Itai that it, it's not his fight, and he shouldn't get involved. He's only been with him a day. But Itai promises David that no matter what, he's he's with him. He's going uh, to look out for him. How encouraging must that have been for David, that even though David's sort of down and out, that he's on the ropes and he's, he's, he's on his way out, he's fleeing for his life, and that everything must seem like nothing's going for him now, but yet to have a man who's, who's, been with, who's known him for not a very long time, not been with him for very long at all, and has turned around and said, no matter what, whether it be life or death, I'll, I'll stay with you, I won't leave you. Can I imagine that must have been some encouragement to David? Um a foreigner, he's not even an Israelite he's a Philistine, and obviously the Philistines and the Israelites, we've looked at that in the past they've, they've never really got on we looked at the David and Goliath and things like that and the relationship that the Philistines and the Israelites had uh, in former times, but for, uh, for a stranger to have David's back is um, is an encouragement to him it must have been an encouragement now, I think it's no accident that, um, that the men, that these men that we're going to talk about now were surrounding David at a time like this, I think it's Providential. God had these men in these places of uh, around able to encourage him at a time when he was really low. And um, <clears throat> we could all do with friends like these, amen? You know, when uh, when the, when chips are down, that's when you see who your real friends are, isn't it? You know, uh, plenty of people want to be your friend when things are going well for you, and you know when you've got things going good in your life. But when you've got nothing, that's when you see who your real friends are. And um, yeah, a real friend will give you. Will will give when you've got nothing left to give. Amen. So among the uh, the followers was uh, were men called Zadok and Abiathar. These men were these men were priests. The, uh, when David fled, they they left. They brought the ark of the covenant with them. And in verse twenty five, David says to them, and the king said unto Zadok, Carry back the ark of God into this city. If I shall find favor in the eyes of the Lord, He will bring me again and show me both it and its habitation. So David understands here that God's able to deliver them from this. And that they're better placed in the city as uh, David dies and he is. And that, uh, instead of being on the run, they're of liability to David. But he, he, they can be better used if they stay in the city and, uh, and see what's going on. So the uh, the priests, without question, didn't question it. Didn't, uh, didn't try and argue with David. He returned to the city. And they put their lives in, uh, in jeopardy when they did this because... Uh, they put their neck on the line Absalom, when we read Absalom and the character of him he wasn't a nice guy, he could have killed these two priests for absolutely any reason but you know, they went back regardless of putting their life on the line for David um, and that's a mark of a true friend, the fact that they're not to stick their neck out even though it could come at great cost to them so it could have been very easy for, for Zadok and Abiathar to just go, no we won't, we won't even go after David, we'll just stay where we are keep our heads down we won't, um, won't make no trouble but that's not what he did you could see that they were friends to david and the fact that they went out after them and even though uh, david said to them don't come with me you go back to the city you can be my eyes and ears they didn't argue they just went and done it and that's and, and that's a, um, a sign of real friendship <laughs> so we've uh, looked at zadok and abiathar now we're going to look at um, another man this man was called hushai um, and he'd heard the news that David was, uh, was on the run and uh, he rushed to, to be with him. But yet, David sends him back to uh, to the city with, uh, with a plan to be loyal to uh, Absalom, to <coughs> pretend to be loyal to him, that he might be uh, a counsel to Absalom. And we'll look uh, a little bit more into this next time. Because Absalom had counselors, as we said there before. He had a Hithophel. Now, Hithophel was um, was David's trusted counselor. So Absalom would use a Hithophel to to find out uh, what should I do about this situation, how should I proceed with this situation we'll look a little bit more at that next time but um, David had a plan to sort of put Hushai in there to, to try and thwart uh, Absalom's plans and thwart Ab- Ahithafel's council and uh, we read that before when they said about um, thwarting the, the council of Ahithafel. So, um, so for the Hushai to go back especially when everybody knows that Hushai was loyal to David Hushai put himself in great danger because, as we read, uh, when Abs- sorry, when Hushai goes back to Absalom, Absalom was like, well, you're David's friend, why have you come back? You, you know, why aren't you loyal to, to David? You shouldn't you shouldn't be here, kind of thing. But yet, uh, he took great risk because if Absalom had hinted hit that this was a treacherous plot, he'd have just had that Hushai killed, no, he done nothing about it, and that'd just been the end of it. But... He took a stand for his friend. That's, that's another another good uh, another good quality of a friend, that he'll take a stand for you. No matter what, That he'll take a stand for you. So lastly, we'll see uh, there are three men. They're not named in, uh, in chapter 15. If you look in uh, chapter 17, you'll find them. And obviously, you'll we'll look at this another time. Like, but there are three men that called Shobai, Mekah, and Barzillai. Now, these men showed up in a great time in need for David. David was, um, was on the run. Um, he had very little food, very little provisions and things like that. And these three men, they showed up. They gave um, food, provisions, uh, beds and things yeah. like that. Um, without even being asked. They didn't, didn't, uh, didn't have to be asked, they didn't have to be called for it. They just took it upon themselves to be a help to David. And um, they gave from a heart of love. Now we need these kind of friends. But can I tell you that we have this kind of friend in Jesus... We uh, Jesus came in when we had no hope he gave us what we need he still gives us what we need and he, gives us, he gave us what we need and we needed it he gave us all for us and he never stopped to count about, or count the cost of what it cost to give us what we need or what's in it for him and normally when friends so called friends are your friends they're always looking for an angle they're always looking like what what do I get out of it but you can guarantee that Jesus isn't like that. Jesus doesn't do anything mm-hmm. for us to benefit him. He does it for us out of a heart of love. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I'm trying to say is that he loves us no matter what. We've got nothing to give Jesus, really. You know, Jesus doesn't need anything from us. Jesus wants to give us out of a heart of love. So, um, as I said, David seems like he's down and out and then he's going through the fire again. But, um, but face it, he did. And he didn't face it alone either. He, he knew that God was with him. Now, uh, if you're reading Psalm chapter 3, tell you what, while we're, uh, while we're there, turn back with me to Psalm chapter 3 for me. It won't be on the screen. Um, I'll, I'll read it, but turn with me if you can to Psalm chapter 3. <laughs> David penned this Psalm when he was on the run from Absalom, And it uh, gives you an idea of what his thinking was when he was uh, going through all this. I'll <clears throat> give you a second so we're there to find it. Psalm chapter 3. Uh, Psalm chapter 3, uh, it says, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God, Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill, Zilah. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people, Seelah. Mm-hmm. So we read there that with all that's going on in David's life, David's faith in God never ever wavered. And that God had not abandoned them. Like it may well seem that God sort of left into to this now that his sin is his fault and that you're just going to have to deal with the consequences but it's not like that, God, God's with him you can see that God's with him that uh, he also placed people around him to, uh, to be a help to him in this time and that he was blessed for having these friends that, that uh, surrounded him, that gave him comfort that gave him encouragement and that um, we can do with the uh, learning a lesson from this so uh, what can we take away from from what I'm trying to get at is uh, I'd say that we're blessed to have friends. If you've got friends, then you are blessed, amen. We need to ask God to help us to recognise who these people are and be thankful for them because uh, a good friend, especially friends like with the qualities that we're talking about, now, I'm not talking about fair weather friends. I'm talking about real friends. Um, we should be thankful for them because there's the few and far between nowadays. Seem to be, people only seem to be a friend when there's something in it for them. And uh, when you come across a true friend, you should uh, should hang on to them. You should be thankful for them. You should try and be the best friend you, you can to them. Um, we also need to find people who we can be a friend to, because we look around and you know you don't have to go very far now to see that the world's hurting, the world's lonely. There's plenty of people out there with problems and things like that, and we can be, we can be friends to these people. We can show the love of Jesus to these people if we're only gonna, if we're only going to be a friend to them. So I, I mean. I just thought then uh, I remember when uh, when Connell started school and was starting a new school and he said, I don't know anybody. I'm not gonna make new friends and things said, like that. So I always remember what the Bible says, you know, in order to have friends, I'm paraphrasing that, but show yourself friendly, you know. Um, if you wanna be if you wanna have friends you've gotta be friendly first, you know, you have gotta you've gotta put yourself out there as I'm trying to get at. But uh, we can show the love of Jesus when we uh, when we befriend people you know and um, as we were singing before what a friend we have in Jesus Jesus is the greatest friend of all he's the ultimate friend um we can see he gave his life to save us John 15 and 13 says greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends so he gave his life to save us He's always with us, Hebrews 13:5. 5, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So He's always with us. He wants us to come to him with our problems, when we've got problems. As I said you, go to the king, First Peter 5:7. Casting Cast all your care upon him, for he careth for you. You know, How good is that? He cares for us. No matter what your problems are, he cares for you. He wants, he wants to help you with the problems. Um, he has the power and the resources to meet our needs Hebrews 4.16 4, says let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to, to help in time of need or Philippians 4.19 but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus and you can guarantee that Jesus will never let you down but the question is you know Dave obviously likes, it, likes opening the closing with questions like but i always got a question at the end my question is do you know Jesus? is jesus your friend because if you don't know for certain then there's a very good chance that you've never met him that he's not your friend but jesus wants to be your friend but more importantly he wants to be your savior but in order for these if you for jesus to be your savior there are some there are some things that need to be dealt with first you first need to understand our condition now our condition is we're all sinners whether you like it or not, I know it's hard, it's difficult for some people to hear that. you know, some people well, I'm not a sinner, when you talk to them, like the uh, pride gets in the way and things like that, we've, we've had that before, where you say to them, you know, have you ever told a lie? And they'll go, yeah, yeah, but it's a white lie, and things like that, and the white lies, a lie is a lie is a lie is a lie, and if you've ever told a lie, the Bible says that you're a sinner, like it or lump it, that's just the way it is, you know, if you've ever told one lie, that makes you a sinner, We can't do anything about it, that's just what the Bible says, and as a result, Our sin separates us from God. That's the reason why uh, mankind was formed. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, they broke the relationship with God. And from then to now, we are all born sinners. We all do wrong. If you've you've got kids, if you've ever had small kids, you don't have to teach them to do right. Sorry, you don't have to teach them to do wrong, should I say. You don't have to teach them to do wrong. You just naturally do wrong. And that's our sin condition. We're just inherently sinners. We just naturally do wrong. And as a result of that, God is perfect. God is holy. God is just and God can't allow sin into heaven. You just can't do it. It's just, you know, um, to do that would defile God Himself. God can't allow sin to heaven. But yet God loves us so much that He didn't leave us with no hope. I said to you before we have a friend in Jesus. Jesus died, he came to earth and lived a perfect life. He did no sin, he tempted him just like we were in everything you've ever encountered, whatever you're up against, whatever you're struggle with, Jesus endured that temptation and yet he overcome and he died on the cross, in our place on the cross, he took our punishment, because we deserve death and hell, that's our, that's our punishment so we are the too so far the penalty for sin is death, and that death is a spiritual death as well, so when we die we'll go to hell to pay for our sins, but God loves us, there's so much that he, he doesn't want us to go to hell, and um Get over the fact that God loves you, no matter no matter how low you think you are, how bad you think you may well be. God still loves you. God wants you to be uh, to go to heaven. God wants to save you. God wants to be your friend. God wants a relationship with you. But we have to deal with this sin thing first. Because as I said to, as I said in chapter 14 last week, when um, sin has to be dealt with. Just like Absalom's sin wasn't dealt with, there's problems, we see problems that occurred when the sin wasn't dealt with. God is uh, the greatest judge, he's the greatest king. God will have to deal with sin. Now sometimes people say like, oh you know, why would God do this? You know, why why is God so sort of, so angry and and, uh, he loves punishing sinners. God takes no pleasure in punishing sinners, God wants us to come back to him. We're all wayward, but yet we have to come back on, on like, we have to make a choice to come back. God can't force us uh, to, to come back to him. God wants us to come back, but that's a choice that we have to make, we're not robots. God, God gave us free will, we have to make that choice. That we come to the point where we realize that we're sinners separated from God on our way to hell, <laughs> but Jesus loved us and died in our place on the cross so that we can go to heaven only because of what Jesus did, not to do what we can do, because as we've said, we're sinners. Jesus wants nothing from us other than for us to put our trust in him. That's, that's, that's all he wants. He wants us to understand that we're sinners. Without Jesus, we're, we're going to die in to go to hell. No one wants that. Jesus certainly didn't die on the cross for no good reason. People say, why did Jesus come and die on the cross? It, it must have been because he was a sinner. No. Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. That's what it cost for your salvation. It, it, he died to pay for it. As we stand before, Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid for your sins. But, Yet the choice is still yours. Jesus didn't die so that everyone goes to heaven. He just died, so the availability is there. So we can all go to heaven, but we have to deal with our sin first. And the only way we can deal with it is taking it to Jesus, asking Jesus to forgive us of our sins and trusting him as our hope for heaven. Now, I hope that you've done that. If you haven't done that, I trust that you will do because no one knows how long we've got left. You know, um, people die every day. You know, your heart can stop beating them in two minutes of time. And there's no coming back. There's no second chances. There's no always gonna do it. It just doesn't work like that. So I asked the Do you know Jesus? Are you sure you know Jesus? Because think it there's a head knowledge and there's a heart knowledge, and you don't know Jesus for certain. After that you get it settled because once you die, there's no coming back. Now I pray that if there's anything that you struggle with or you need help with, or you can explain something better, I pray you come see us and we can uh, we can try and get it sorted. But please don't put salvation off what I'm try to get out. And on uh, that we'll uh, close it prayer. Uh, Father, thank you so much for, uh, for all that you've done for us, Lord God, we, uh, we thank you so much that we have a friend in Jesus, and God, that we understand that our sin separates us from you, but that uh, you loved us so much that you came and you died on the cross to pay for our sins. And God, uh, when we trust you, Lord, as our Saviour, that you, uh, you saved us, Lord, and that you, you never leave us, and that you are the ultimate friend, Lord, and that we can trust you. We pray that you would help those who are, uh, who are going through some things, Lord, that maybe be uh, struggling with some certain issues in their lives. We pray that you would help them to, uh, to come to you with them, Lord, that you would help them to understand and to realize that you love them and that uh, you want to help them if they would only come to you. Lord, we pray that you would help this to be a help to your people. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Okay. Um, announcements. Announcements. <coughs> The uh, Wednesday night 7 o'clock uh, Bible study Meet at the church or uh, online on Zoom if, uh, if you're technologically uh, minded and things. If you need the login details, the Zoom's a free app, you don't have to pay for anything, you just download it, we can give you a code and we'll jump on. It's normally uh, about an hour or an hour or so looking at the word of God and a prayer time and things like that so if you want to be a part of it. Speak to uh, John or one of us, and we can give you the details and whatnot. Uh, if you pray, uh, Brother Riley Barrett's going to come next week. He's going to be preaching for us. And is uh, his wife? wife coming? Doesn't she? Yeah. She's going to teach Sunday school, so, uh, so we'll, uh, we'll look forward to that. Uh, pray for uh, Kate and Erin on holiday. Where did he go, John? Do you know. Um, yeah, I think. Okay. Nice. Um, yeah. So they're away. Uh, keep and Margaret in prayer if you would. Uh, we haven't seen them for a while. Know that the, uh, the the struggling and whatnot like, but you know, as I said before, we can be a friend too. You know, if, if you've got their number, just send them a text just ask them how they're doing, things like that. It really means a lot to some people, you know. Just just to, just to touch out, just to let them know that we haven't forgotten about them that we still care and we still love them that we're still waiting for them. And uh, if they did come through the door, they'd be uh, they'd be welcome back. Because sometimes when people fall out of church and things like that, you can build up a bit of a thing where they the apprehension's too much, and they don't want to go back because they feel that people are judging them and things like that so, you know, I like a text message, phone call even a little note or something like that It'll, uh, make a big difference um, if you could uh, pray for Ruth's grant as well obviously I know uh, Dave was talking about uh, and Lydia obviously um, the uh, biopsies on Thursday, yeah, Thursday so uh, pray that things, uh, things go well there, uh, obviously the doctors can be a help and the situation, can you know, pray for, uh, salvation is a thing as well like you know she uh, she's get saved pray that she will get saved um, pray for Lola as well uh, I had an update there that she's um, she's slightly improved but that she's still having seizures and things like that body a of brain damage now like she's a 3 year old um, three-year- old little girl a t- three week old girl she's um, a lot of complications when she's been born but the uh, the family have asked us to pray. Um, so, if we could keep praying uh, um if you could pray for um, for my family, I've got the, uh, the the funeral for my father was in a couple of weeks time, and uh, lots of people asking lots of questions and things like that. So opportunities to uh, to, to give them the gospel and things like that, because uh, difficult times, especially with people dealing with issues and things. Uh, so you can pray for that for me, please, and uh, pray for the pastor. Because we uh, mm-hmm. need one. That's a short answer. Um, has anyone got any prayer requests they'd like to ask? Pray keep praying for Frank and his family. Um, anything else? Any, any other prayer requests? No, John. The young man over in America. Do we pray for him? Max. Yeah, Max in America. How's, how's he getting on? Is he okay, Max? Okay, Good. okay pray praying for him um, okay so uh, on that note down on the close the word of prayer Brother John would you uh, pray closes please Father I thank you for uh, your great love for us and thank you for the message that we just heard and thank you that uh, we have a friend in the Lord Jesus and mm-hmm. we thank you so much for laying down your life for us on the, on the cross and we thank you for your blood that was shed for us and it uh, takes away our sin. So we love you and thank you for your son. Well, I do pray as we go through the rest of this week that we want you would be with us. We was you to, um, give us opportunities to share the gospel. Want you to be with Ruth uh, um, and Livni as a man. That want you to just uh, undertake day and give the doctors wisdom and it would work out well <laughs> just pray for her that Lord she might come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as well mm-hmm. and we'll give her your heart and, and Lord she might be saved mm-hmm. Lord we love you, thank you for this week and, um, watch over those who are not here and keep them safe. Lord uh, we will just thank you for these things you know, and bless our time together in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen. God bless thank you.